This is Parsha Panorama, this week's Parsha is Parsha's Vayelech, here at the database with Rabbi Yoshua Eisenberg. And with Parsha's Vayelech, we have the shortest Parsha in the entire Torah, the shortest Sadra. It is only 30 psukim. Most years it is read with Parsha's Nitzavim, something that we mentioned last week. And what we have this year is two of the shortest Parshas being even shorter, um, we had the 40 psukim of Nitzavim, and this week the 30 psukim of Vayelech. Something that I've spoken about in the past, not for now, but the names of the parshios are, um, they're opposites. Nitzavim means standing, and Vayelech means going. And the name of the parsha is kind of interesting. It's worth note because it seems like it is very extraneous. Vayelech Moshe, and Moshe went, the Chumash does not disclose a location. Where in fact, did Moshe Rabbeinu go? At the beginning of this parsha, did not have to start with Vayelech Moshe, because the Pesach goes on to tell us that Moshe Rabbeinu began to give another speech, right? And you don't need to give a speech with the words, and he went, right? Um, it's kind of like um, what some, a verbal tick that some people have when they, when they need a filler, will say that the person went ahead and did something. And you don't need to say that, right? So, um, He didn't go and then speak these things. He just spoke these things, unless apparently he went somewhere. So we have what to discuss with this word, Vayelech. And we'll provide an answer today, but we'll also provide an answer to Ezra Hashem in Musr minutes, which I think is a, a very important uh, point that comes out of this, this word, Vayelech. So stay tuned for that. But in the meantime, that's one question we're going to try to address this week. Among the general questions that we try to address in Parsha Panorama, which is what, in fact, is the Parsha about a Parsha so small, Parsha's Vayelech, we are, we are well out of Moshe Rabbeinu's main speech. Right, Moshe Rabbeinu's main speech um, ended with the covenant in Arvos Melov, and that already happened. We had the Tochacha. Last week in Nitzavim, Moshe Rabbeinu was talking about how we are, you know, how despite the fact that you heard the Tocha, you know, you're still standing, and all that said, you are all included in this covenant that's going to take place when you enter Eretz Yisrael, all of you, excluding none of you. We spoke about different aspects of that covenant, and it's with that that Moshe Rabbeinu said, this is a choice between life and death, and you better choose life. Then, Vayelech Moshe. Moshe went and he decided to say something else. And that's where we are in Parsha's Vayelech. We know how we got here. But now that we know how we got here, we have to try to figure out what exactly is now going to be the content of Moshe Rabbeinu's next speech. And again, why does it start with Vayelech? So we have to address that question. And one more question we will address when we get to it as I list the components of our Parsha. This very small Parsha, but it has its it has its pieces, it has its components. So let's get right to those. So as Moshe Rabbeinu begins this speech, um, which follows the words Vayelech Moshe, so section one, we have Moshe Rabbeinu essentially passing the torch to Yehoshua. He, he says, Ben Meyad Esrim Shana Anuchi Hayom, I'm 120 years old today, Luchal Od I'm not able to go any further. Hashem said, I can't cross over. There's a Mordechai Shapiro song about this. Those words come up in this parsha, I think. Maybe they don't, but these are... Oh, they, yeah, they do in Pasuk Vav. Um, this, um, these words, Chazak V'amatz, come up uh, frequently 
in the beginning of Sefer Yehoshua, because the, these are the these were the words of encouragement. Literally, be strengthened and be encouraged. Um, the, um, this was Yehoshua's encouragement for taking over for Moshe Rabbeinu's role. And in fact, this beginning of our parsha is a, is basically about that. It's about Moshe Rabbeinu saying, "I'm not coming all across the Yarden with you." And Yehoshua is going to be the one that's going to lead you, and Hashem is going to protect you. So that's the first part. Moshe Rabbeinu passing the torch to Yehoshua, section one. Section two, we have Moshe Rabbeinu writing down the Sefer Torah. Now, this obviously opens up a Pandora's box because we are still looking at the text of the Torah at the time that Moshe Rabbeinu is writing the text of the Sefer Torah. So it's one of those, you know, like one of those uh, inception kind of situations, right? So. Because in every Sefer Torah, we have the description of Moshe Rabbeinu writing the Sefer Torah. And this also, before you know any of that other uh, business, we have the Pandora's box of the Sugya in the Gemara. I believe it's in Bava Basra. It might be in Bava Metzia, um, But it's the Gemara that talks about the final eight or possibly final twelve Pesukim of Sefer Devarim where Moshe Rabbeinu is describing his death. So that we don't have yet. Um, but this um, uh, kind of, uh, in a certain sense, alludes to that later, where how could Moshe Rabbeinu have written those words at the time? It wasn't true. And the Gemara has answers to that question, um, um, which uh, spanning from somehow Moshe Rabbeinu wrote the words, but he did it in an incomplete way. Yehoshua completed it, something to that effect. Um, yeah, but there, there, there are different, uh, there are different uh, explanations that are offered. But the basic idea, um, here at least, is that Moshe Rabbeinu was writing the Sifrei Torah, and perhaps he didn't finish it at that moment. Or again, he, he finished writing the Sefer Torah, and, and even the things that were going to be written in the future, he finished those things as well. But of course, um, um, he did it in that sort of incomplete way, um, again, alluding to that Gemara. I'm not going to get into it now, because it's a complicated Gemara, something about Moshe Rabbeinu writing it with tears. So we can take for granted that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote complete Sifrei Torah, um, even though certain things might have happened afterwards. Um, we'll have to just work with that for now. But Moshe Rabbeinu writes down the Sefer Torah. Now, why would Moshe Rabbeinu be doing that now? So that kind of makes sense. We are at the end of the Torah. And you might say, well, maybe this should have happened. You know, we, we still have two more parshios. It's like, we don't, we don't, you know, we have Hazinu and we have Vizos Abracha. So you can make the argument, you could make the argument, that Moshe Rabbeinu is, um, is doing this prematurely, or the Torah is recording this scene prematurely. So then, if that's true, which is a, maybe a fair point, then we have to address the question of, then in Hazinu and Zosabracha, when we're not talking about the, com- the composition of the Sefer Torah, the, tofer, uh, the Sefer Torah being written, we're not talking about that at that point. So what's happening in those parshios? And that'll be a question for the next couple of weeks. So you'll stay tuned for that. But um, be that as it may, Moshe Rabbeinu is being recorded now as having recorded the Sefer Torah. And with that, right after, we have the mitzvah of Hakel. One of the final mitzvahs in the Torah is called Hakel, which literally means a gathering. And this is one of the questions that we really have to address, because this is very, very strange. Why do we just have this random mitzvah here? Apparently the way it works is that um, every seven years at the end of a Shemitah cycle, on Sukkot, 
everyone goes to um, to Yerushalayim where the Melech does a Kriyasa Torah. It's like one of the real Diyaraisa Kriyasa Torah. It happens only every seven years. Um, and he reads um, the, the Torah. It seems to be that he reads um, from Sefer Devarim. He basically reads Sefer Devarim to everybody. And that's, that's Hakel. So what exactly is this about? And everyone has to go, and the men, the women, the children, even the babies come along. Right? Why? To, um, to, um, to, um, let's bring Schar um, There are two different versions um, of, of the Medrash, of the Gemara. Um, is it to bring Schar to the parents who are bringing them, or maybe to bring Schar to them for being brought? Even the babies can get Schar just for being there. Right? What if my baby's going to make noise? Right? That's a big question when you're bringing the baby to shul and interrupting the davening. So, you know, each person has to be very, very careful about that kind of thing. Though there is a Tosvos in Chagiga, someone showed this to me, um, uh, in Chagiga, I think it's in Dav Zion or Dav Gimel, and I think it's Dav Gimel. Um, but the Tosvos um, uses Hakel as a, a support for someone who wants to bring their baby to shul. Now, again, you know, you got to take that with, um, with, with a grain of salt, not 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 the Shita itself, but just... Um, you know, with the sensitivity that you know you're responsible for your child, and you you don't want to interrupt people's davening. Like that's very very fair. If you're, if you know, um, if, you, we could talk about you know the desperate situations, um, but that's really not for this year. That's maybe more for a real talk Torah. Let's bring it back to this um, to Parsha Panorama, which is where we address the question of what in the world is this doing here? Why are we putting this here? You know, why couldn't Hakel be in the laws of the Melech, right, in Parshas Shoftim, which we had a few weeks ago? Could, could have been nicely placed there. You know, Parshas Re'e was all about Yerushalayim, so why don't we put it in Parshas Re'e? My, my point is that there, there are many places you could put this, so why are we putting it here? So that is something that I want you to think about for a little bit. There is a Pashat Shot answer, that I'll just mention right now really quickly, but um, I, I don't think it's a full answer. But a Pashup Shad answer is we just talked about the completion of the Sefer Torah. And the king, he gets the Sefer Torah, um, you know, he, um, he has, a, he has a, um, the completed Sefer Torah, something that he's going to be reading from. So right when we talk about the completion of the writing of the Sefer Torah, so now we're talking about what are you going to do with the Sefer Torah? When are we going to listen to it? So yes, there are later takanos of reading the Torah, um, you know, um, and having a, a regular Kriyasa Torah a few, a few times a week. But the main Kriyasa Torah from, from the Torah is Hakel. Right, we talk about other Kriyasa Torah Deiraisas like Zachor and maybe Para. And the, we spoke about the Takana Zazra of, of Parshas Kisavo, which is not Deiraisa, it's a Takana. But here we have Hakel. And here we're talking about what are you going to do with the Sefer Torah? You're going to read it. Every seven years you're going to read it. Okay, I guess it's nice. It, um, it uh, fits thematically. But again, it doesn't, it's, it's not a full answer because this really, you know, we argue this could have been put anywhere. So, and you might say, oh, we never had a completed Sefer Torah up until this point. So maybe, maybe, I'm not, not saying no. I, I think we need a little bit more. And as Hashem, we'll get to that. And we'll also try to figure out along the way why exactly Hakel is placed where it is. Why every Sukkot at the end of a Shemitah cycle is just very, very strangely placed every seven years. And what exactly does Hakel represent? Why do we even have Hakel? I think there's an important answer to this question, and it really speaks to our Parsha at large, I believe, which is something that we still have to uncover. What exactly is this a Parsha about? So 
section number one, once again, we have Moshe Rabbeinu saying he won't be able to join the people. He passes the torch to Yehoshua. We have Moshe Rabbeinu writing the Sefer Torah. We have Hakel. And then finally, at the very end of the Parsha, we have the intro to next week's Parsha, the intro to Shiraz Hazinu, which is not a very encouraging intro, to be honest. Um, Hashem basically tells Moshe Rabbeinu that these people are destined to sin. Now, it's not so clear that this is necessarily a prophecy saying that the people will not have free choice. The Rambam in Hilchas Tshuva talks about this particular parsha, and he says that just because Hashem says the nation is going to slip up doesn't mean that every individual doesn't have free choice to be among those that mess up. Be that as it may, Parshas Vayila here at the very end of the parsha tells us that the Bnei Israel are going to mess up, they're going to turn away from Hashem, Hashem says this much is going to happen. This might be the natural order, right? By natural design, if they're not fighting against it, they are doomed to, to, to commit these sins. But Shiras Hazinu, the song of Hazinu, somehow is going to be something that represents the hope that not all will be lost. That, that, and that seems to be the push-up shot, though when we get to Parshas Hazinu, we're going to be taken a little bit by surprise with what we find, um, and I'll explain why soon, um, or maybe not soon, but um, towards the end of this shear. Um, but while we are looking at Hazinu, before we get to it, as we're trying to understand it through the lenses of Parshas Vayelech, Hashem is promising somehow that by teaching this song of Hazinu, which is going to be next week, by teaching it to the Bnei Israel, so ultimately they will be able to uh, have this song with them. And this song is going to keep them connected, and eventually they'll come back. And that's the Parsha. So, again, we have Moshe Rabbeinu passing the torch to Yehoshua, with Moshe Rabbeinu writing the Sefer Torah, we have Hakhel, and then we have the intro to Shira Sazinu. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Moshe Rabbeinu going. Vayelech Moshe. Um, uh, two, two unnecessary words. So, well, what are they doing here? So I mentioned that we're going to have um, Muslim minutes that will talk about this idea, and we're gonna we're gonna elaborate a little bit more. But for now, we're gonna give a push-up shot answer that comes up in the Ramban. The Ramban says that Moshe Rabbeinu was literally walking. He went out walking to bid everyone farewell. It's he's he's literally strolling through the camp and speaking to everybody, or at least before he speaks to everybody, because this is really gonna be his last um, speech. Um, Vayelech through the end of the Torah. And so this is Moshe Rabbeinu taking those steps. And that th- that can work. And even if you don't like it, I'll be Pashib shot, right? Maybe maybe you're, you're thinking, why does the Chumash need to tell us that Moshe Rabbeinu is strolling through the camp, right? The Chumash doesn't tell us every historical fact that happened. So maybe you'll say that, listen, Vayelech Moshe, uh, maybe I could have guessed that Moshe Rabbeinu was going to do something like this. Maybe you'll say, no, Moshe Rabbeinu is above that. You know, Moshe Rabbeinu is above, you know, greeting everybody and saying goodbye to them. And maybe the, maybe the lesson here is that, no, even Moshe Rabbeinu was someone who would go and say bye to everybody. Okay, you, can, you know, you can, you can argue back and forth about that. But even, you know, I'll pee the literary aspect of the Parsha, of the Chumash at large, these words, Vayelech Moshe, I think, are simply communicating the reality that Moshe Rabbeinu is on his way. He's on his way out. And this is supported by what we find after the words, Vayelech Moshe. Moshe Rabbeinu literally tells the B'day Israel, as he's going, 
that this is about as far as he can go. Right? He's going. And where is he really going? He's going, you know, he's going beyond. Right? The Chumash doesn't give us a location because it's, it's not really about where he's going. It's more about how he's going away. Right? This is the, uh, we're, we're nearing the end of the life of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is going and he's on his way out. And he says this much. He says, I'm not going in with you. I'm not going in with you. I'm going somewhere else. And Yehoshua is going to be taking you in. And so we have all of that perhaps packed in this Vayelech Moshe. And if we have this in mind, we can begin to answer some of our other questions about what the Parsha is really about. Because th- that, that really is what Vayelech is about. And when we get to, so we get Moshe Rabbeinu writing the Sefer Torah. And this is one of the things that someone who's leaving, he's, he, um, you know, when he's leaving, what's he going to do? He's going to leave you with something. Something he leaves us with is the Sefer Torah. The Sefer Torah, the Torah's Moshe, represents Moshe Rabbeinu's legacy. Obviously, it's even larger than that, but Moshe Rabbeinu's essence as an Eved Hashem, which we are the, 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 the label we're going to find for him in Parshas Vezos HaBracha, um, but part of Moshe Rabbeinu's essence is the Torah. So Moshe Rabbeinu writes the Sefer Torah as he's on his way out. And then what do we have? We have Hakel. So we um, were wondering... We, um, what, why exactly Hakel is here? What exactly is Hakel about? So why it's here? We sort of gave a Pashat answer, which kind of works. Um, that okay, we're we're, t- we're telling you now what to do with the Sefer Torah. Now that you have a completed Sefer Torah, what do you do with it? You're going to read it. Great. But again, I, there, there's got to be something more here. So, in terms of what Hakel is, so I found an article a few years ago by Rabbi Avraham Gordimer um, of uh, the RCA. Um, and I actually um, really liked the article, and he was explaining the connections between Hakel, between Shmita, and Sukkot, and basically what they all had in common, right? Um, Hakel is, is um, everyone comes together just to learn Torah, and the idea of Hakel, he connects it to Shmita and Sukkot. Both Shmita and Sukkot represents faith in Hashem, right? Sukkot, we leave the comfort of our home and we go into the spiritual zone, right? And Shmita is the same thing. We you know, we put our land, um, we, we, you know, we leave our land, we, we, we don't work the land, and we just have faith in Hashem. And what is the point of Hakel? To go to Yerushalayim, to hear the king and read the Torah, and, and, and again, simply so that we can engage in spiritual pursuits and to have faith in Hashem. The idea of just hearing the word of Hashem and not being distracted by anything else. Rav Chaim Kanievsky Shlita has a similar explanation which talks about how we do this on, you know, the whole point of Sukkot and the whole point of Shemitah is so that we can, you know, once, once you've, um, you've gathered in all your crops and you have all, of, you know, you have your, your fruits, you know, the Chag HaAsif, you're not worried about food. Hashem guaranteed bracha during Shemitah so that you can just sit and learn Torah. So we go to the king, and we actually learn about the Torah. We, we learn Torah from the king, and he reads it to everybody, and, and, and that's supposed to instill a certain yira, as the Chumash says, Laman yilmadu liyira, S.L. Kim. So we're, we're learning to fear Hashem. So that, 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 all, that all makes sense in terms of internally explaining the concept of hakel. But what about its placement here? So we could say the idea is the same, that when Moshe Rabbeinu is leaving, the whole point is that we understand that 
that uh, you know that, that the whole point of life from here on in, really always, is to learn Hashem's Torah, to develop Yiras Hashem, to have faith and bitachon in Hashem. And all that takes place through our active engagement in the process of Torah learning. Right? What can be more important? What could be greater? So this, the, that, that's all fine. I want to add another component to it. And that is um, regarding what hakel represents in the larger scheme. Because you find there are textual parallels between this little scene of hakel in Parshas Vayilach and another scene earlier in the Torah, earlier in Sefer Devarim. So our book, we don't even have to go further than the beginning of Devarim, in Parshas Vayeschanan. In Parshas Vayeschanan, we have a similar description of a gathering, a gathering for the sake of Torah learning and ingraining Yiras Hashem. These are all terms that come up in both places. It talks about learning and um, you know, um, the entire congregation coming together to hear words of Torah and to, uh, and to be ingrained with Yiras Hashem. Where do we find these words? We find these words in Va'eschanan describing none other than the scene at Har Sinai. In fact, throughout Sefer Devarim, we find it in Parshas Eke, we find it in Parshas Veschanan. Throughout Sefer Devarim, we have references to the Yom HaKahal, the day of gathering, the day of the congregation. What is the day of gathering, the day of the congregation? If you look in context, every single time without fail, you find these words Yom HaKahal in the Chumash, in Sefer Devarim. Each and every time, it's a reference to the day that they received the Torah, the day that Hashem revealed Himself at Har Sinai and gave over the Aserah Sedibros. That's Yom HaKahal, the day that we surrounded Har Sinai. And when we have this Hakel, right, which also in a certain sense resembles the Simchas Torah that we that we celebrate, bringing everyone together to hear the reading of the Torah, or really any Kriyasa Torah, Hakel is supposed to be a recreation of Har Sinai in Yerushalayim. We've spoken about the Ramban in the past regarding the Mishkan, that the Mishkan is a recreation of Har Sinai. So is so, so, so is the Beis HaMikdash. And the reading of the Torah represents, right, the king reading the Torah represents Hashem communicating the Torah to us. And this is the Yom HaKahal. Same Lashon as the word Hakel. Yom HaKahal, HaKahal is the same exact spelling as the word Hakel. And the, the, the idea is the same. That Think about, you know, Moshe Rabbeinu's biggest role in history is getting us the Torah. That's why we call it the Torah's Moshe, or the Mosaic Covenant, or the Mosaic Law. Or not to be mistaken with a, you know, with a painting on a wall, a mosaic, but Moshe Rabbeinu. So, um, the, so, so the, again, the, the, this, this um, covenant, which um, took place at Har Sinai, is being recreated, because now that we're talking about the legacy of Moshe Rabbeinu, and Moshe Rabbeinu taking leave, we're talking about now how we want to keep Moshe Rabbeinu's legacy with us. That happens through Yehoshua taking the torch. That happens through every time we learn the Torah and every time we recreate Har Sinai, right? And we don't have to wait for a time where we have a melech and we do hakel because really every time we do Kriyasa Torah, in a certain sense, it's like Har Sinai. There are some people that have the minhag of standing around the bima, or at the very least, standing up during Kriyasa Torah and standing quietly. Why? Because we're recreating Har Sinai. We're recreating one of Moshe Rabbeinu's greatest moments. 
And that, I believe, is one of, is one of the reasons why we have Hakel right here in our Parsha and what Hakel is about and in, in the context of our Parsha. Now, I think for now, that'll take us through the shortest Parsha of the Chumash and maybe even the shortest Parsha panorama. Um, that was not planned. But Bez Rosh Hashan, as I mentioned, we will be taken a little bit by surprise when we get to Parshas Hazinu. And that is because, despite, all, despite everything, despite Moshe Rabbeinu setting the stage for his legacy to continue even in his absence, and again, it's not just about Moshe's legacy, it's about Hashem's Torah, right? So all of that, has, the stage has been set for us to succeed, and nonetheless, Hashem's telling us, really telling Moshe, that we are not going to succeed, at least not immediately, and maybe that's just part of life. But Hazinu is supposed to be the song that keeps us connected. The problem is when we get to Hazinu, you're going to see the song does not sound all too encouraging. It's no no more encouraging than Hashem's message at the end of Vayelech that basically says we're going to fail. Hazinu seems to be that, but in song form. right? So instead of just uh, you know being, you're going to fail, now it's, you're gonna fail. So we have to figure out what exactly Hazinu is about. Bez Rosh Hashem will get there, Shiraz Hazinu. So stay tuned for next week's Parsha Panorama. But in the meantime, wish you a wonderful Shabbos. Thank you for joining us here for Parsha's Vayelech. And as always, thank you for joining us here at the database.